32 counties united by people. My name is Una and this is United Ireland. Andrea's taking a little break this week. Every week on United Ireland, we go under the hood of issues in Ireland beyond the headlines, bringing you smart people who know what they're talking about. We are an independent podcast and we need you, your support. If you like what you hear and can spare three quid a month, uh, just go on to patreon.com forward slash United Ireland and pay for this podcast. Thank you so much to all of our uh, supporters who are keeping us going. You absolutely rock. We definitely wouldn't be doing this without you. And we are grateful every day. Uh, and you'll be glad to know that the Sunday Soothe is making its sound return uh, as the Celtic calendar kicks into a new phase, a wintry, soundy phase. And we figure that it'd be a good vibe to keep you calm all winter. So the Sunday Soothe is back this weekend as your little bonus. Now this week, um, oh, that the Sunday Soothe, by the way, is only available to patrons. So if you want to hear that, you need to uh, chuck us a few quid a month. That'd be fab. This week, we're talking about the basket of complex emotions everyone is carrying around at the moment, like they're en route to a picnic when faced with the prospect of increased socialising. Even though things are back open now, even though you've been missing them, even though all anyone has talked about is what they're going to do when they get back to the club and they're going to have so much fun and blah, blah, blah. Do you feel reticent to hit the floor even though you've been missing it loads? What are these impulses and feelings and reticences uh, and withdrawal vibes that we're experiencing? Sarah Gilligan, the person we lean on when we need to figure ourselves out, uh, will be on the pod to share her psychotherapist expertise. But first, it's the State of the Nation. Well, on Friday morning, as I'm recording this, there's a barrage of bad news on Twitter, kind of all related to the same theme that we've been talking about forever, which is the fact that Dublin is in, uh, despite the fact that there's an energy around and people are doing bits and all that kind of stuff, um, infrastructurally, let's face it, uh, the city is in a state of cultural collapse and um, local and national governments do not seem to grasp the gravity of the situation. And uh, there aren't appropriate interventions and protections being made. And as a result, what we're going to start seeing, unfortunately, apart from the continued ridiculous uh, amount of hotel development in the city, is that as we open back up, the impact of the pandemic on particular places of cultural worth is going to start to be felt. They may be cafes or restaurants or shops or cultural spaces, but this is going to happen um, because obviously the various supports and, and, and the kind of suspended closures and all that kind of stuff uh, is, is hiding the economic devastation that has occurred. And now we're going to start seeing that. On that topic, um, Chapters Bookshop um, a large, beloved bookshop um, on Parnell Street is announced that it is closing. I think it's going to be closing in February. Uh, devastating news. One of my favourite bookshops. Dublin doesn't have enough bookshops, which is mad considering we're meant to be this literary city. Um, and Chapters, of course, was 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 unique, I suppose, in the city in that it has massive um, secondhand section and that you can just kind of troll and troll for hours and, and also 
you know, as a result of having that massive area, books are more affordable for a lot of people. And uh, yeah, really, really sad. I mean, what can you do? Like losing a bookshop is is uh, a terrible thing. Um, the Science Gallery in Trinity College, um, a cultural space that has been, you know, lauded, <clears throat> uh, has huge visitor numbers, you know, one of the top attractions in the city and has also expanded uh, under uh, Science Gallery International all around the world. Trinity has announced that a Science Gallery is closing. It seems quite sudden. Uh, they announced it uh, yesterday, I think. Uh, and, uh, you know, to, to, to lose a cultural space of that size, that established, um, that housed and hosted such a diverse number and type and, um, it, like really kind of new intersections, I guess. I hate the word intersection, Interse- but really genuinely of like, art and science and maths and, you know, all the kind of diversity of, of events that were there. Um, we had our first live podcast there, I think. Um, and so that is, uh, really, really, really sucks. Um, I don't even know what to say about that. Not least people's jobs, you know, the amount of people who, who work there and for that to be closed, um, being such a significant cultural space, particularly in that area of the city, you know, there's a lot of Pier Street that there's not really that much going on. Um, you know, there's, there's less housing than there should be. Um, there's still some dereliction. Trinity, you know, is obviously very dominant in that area. So for this um, real special place, I suppose, on their campus uh, to be closed is, is shocking, kind of. Um, got news in. Uh, late last night that um, the George pub in Dublin, um, the guard that came in and called it an early night for those guys in there. Um, I don't know what's going on there, whether these are the kind of new powers that we're seeing or, or the new enthusiasm that we're seeing um, around places that may be a bit busy, but that are abiding by the restrictions. Of course, last week changed things, the capacity around nightclubs and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, as now allowed for. So I don't know what's going on there and whether we're going to start seeing uh, Gardaí calling time uh, on, on particular places around uh, Irish cities would be very <laughs> unwelcome, particularly considering um, the hassle um, that uh, and, the, and the crippling financial situation that so many places have gone through. All of this uh, is, is kind of related and there is a protest on Saturday Um in relation to the cobblestone uh, in Smithfield at 2pm, there's going to be a Cayley as well and O'Connell Bridge and, and this kind of, all of this is in the mix. What's also in the mix is where I spent Wednesday, which was um, an eviction that was taking place on Prussia Street and Stony Bother in Dublin 7 of a group of people who were squatting in a, in a yard and um, building um uh, in that area and uh, I went down as the eviction was ongoing um, and people turned up in support. I have to say um, from where I was standing the tactics that the Gardaí were, were, were employing seemed to kind of um, both escalate things uh, and also backfire on a couple of occasions. You cannot you, c- you cannot 
like no matter where you're standing really like when you see people protesting an eviction of a site that has been derelict for for years and people a smattering of people went in there tried to clean it up and actually provide a kind of community space bike workshops you know puncture repair workshops like tea and cake um and uh when you see uh, a group of, you know, these so-called agents or whatever, lads walking around with hurdies, crowbars, hammer, um, and forcibly kind of remove people from that area. And then when you see the Garda facilitate their departure in these vans and, and, and be pulling protesters away from the front of buildings and, and all this kind of stuff, I mean, it's, 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 it's very difficult to to watch actually because the anger and the frustration amongst people about whose interests the Guardi are serving as they would put it, you know, it it feels legitimate. (laughs) Like, and I was there for, um, you know, I'm not talking to somebody who's just like watching shit on on videos coming on Twitter or whatever. I was there for a couple of hours and I went back um, in the evening time as well, which is a much more jovial atmosphere. They'd retaken one of the buildings and people were on the roof and they're playing tunes and stuff like that. And loads of people turned up, a couple of hundred people turned up as a sign of kind of solidarity, which is a pretty decent number with an hour or so or a couple of hours notice on a, on a night when it was lashing rain. Um, so I was quite perturbed by that situation um, and I've been at evictions before obviously where places get smashed up um, as this place did as well and I think that the, you know the the energy is I suppose the heat is rising and um, all of this kind of stuff these little aggressions that are occurring around places closing down and the ugliness and violence of the development that's happening and then when you start getting these kind of um, events around the evictions and how people are actually treated within them, uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I just there's a sense that things are going to kick off, actually. Uh, and um, the Gardaí would maybe need to examine their role uh, in these situations. Conor Gallagher is a very good piece Um in the Irish Times today about what the uh, actual legal basis is of Gardaí being at these evictions. And basically, there you know, there isn't one. You can read that piece and how they kind of have these guidelines about what you can and can't do. But there's meant to be an assessment of these a- agents that come in and do things. And, you know, I don't know. Well, the way I was looking at it, you know, when you're seeing kind of lads walking around swinging hurlies, um, that doesn't really scream... Uh, normal or, or you know, uh, professional um, to me. I guess previously incidents like this would be overlooked, right? The people deemed involved wouldn't be deemed like important or relevant. But now it's all tying into this narrative about the city, what's happening to it, what protest people can turn up at, um, how the guard the are acting and where these inflections of both resistance and solidarity are. And all of that is kind of coming together at the moment. Um, And the energy is very heightened around it. And I can really understand why it is. 
when you kind of see the starkness of what happened on Prussia Street during the week. So um, we'll go to the protest anyway on Saturday, 2pm Smithfield in Dublin. And if you're not there, don't worry, I shall report back. Okay, now it's time to get in our feelings with Sarah Gilligan. So last weekend, the big reopening, uh, chaotic kind of reopening in a way with all of the rags changing last minute and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, it's, it's all clubs and gigs able to go back um, ahead pretty much as they were in the before times. Having been deprived of the crack for so long, the rush to get out and experience the world again and celebrate is real. But so are a host of other complex feelings that are kind of annoying um, about what you may or may not be ready for. Um, to dig into this discombobulation and to make people feel okay about the bag of weird feelings they're carrying around every day, it's our resident psychotherapist and general all-round calm-making buzzer, Sarah Gilligan of Capable Minds. Hi, Una. <laughs> what an amazing intro. <laughs> First of all, Sarah, how are you feeling? Ooh, the tables have turned. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty good. Uh, yeah, I'm good. I'm, I, I'm also um, really interested in and wondering what on earth is happening for everybody right now because I'm going through it as well, which is the, the, this country is changing. I know other parts of the world have been in this place for a while. So we're going through a bit of a, a change. And I'm like, what's going on? So mm. that's where I am. Um, last weekend, obviously, loads of the clubs opened back mm. up. Um, unfortunately, some people had to move gigs and stuff because the regulations are being fecked around with so much. And But gigs did go ahead. And if you're on Instagram, you're seeing people, you know, in clubs or at parties and, and there's a big kind of celebratory mood. Um, I don't... And, uh, yeah, and yet, mm-hmm. <laughs> loads of people that I've spoken to, myself included did not seem to be able to engage in that kind of heightened level of, of socializing mm-hmm. that we've been talk banging on about for like the guts of two years that we're missing so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we, we kind of knew that last weekend, you know, this October 22nd date, although it kind of changed um, the context of a change was going to be like a big weekend for society. Mm-hmm. Why is it then that people who love to go out and have fun and party and socialize may not have been able to do that. Mm. I, <clears throat> so I think it's so funny when you were saying that all I could imagine was an electric fence that says, do not touch. And if you look at an electric fence, it says, do not touch. And then one day somebody goes, no, go on, touch it. It's fine. You're going to be really hesitant as to touch the fence, right? Because you mm. don't know if something's going to happen or not. And I really do feel like we've all gone through this collective thing over the past two years, really two years. And now we're kind of being told it's okay to go back and do the things that we were already doing. But it's going to take a moment for all of us to get to it. Certain Everybody's going to take their own time to get to it. Where we go, actually, it is okay to go out or actually it is okay to do that. And I feel comfortable personally and individually to go out and do that. I'm going to go and touch the electric fence. Kind of, as in, I'm going to go into an indoor nightclub or I'm going to go to a gig or, you know, whatever it might be. 
I, th- I do think that's what it is. It's almost like we we did a thing that we couldn't do, or like we all did this thing that we, we weren't we weren't able to go out. It wasn't safe to go out. It wasn't safe to be around people. So when you tell people that it's not safe to do something, and then you say now it is safe, it's just going to take us a while to adjust. And I do feel like that's really what's happening. And we all will get there. There are some people that are bigger risk takers than other. That's that's just life. And maybe people that have experienced more ease in taking risk find it easier to go back out again. And maybe people that might be a little bit more hesitant or there's other things in the background or there's got, if they've got family members that they have to look after, maybe they're like, no, I'm going to take my time to go back to this. Because, yeah. Yeah, and, and that's an excellent um, metaphor around the electric fence thing. Um, but I wonder, like, leaving the... And, uh, so I want to actually extract something from that. Yes, we were told for ages that things weren't safe and now we're told that they are. Mm-hmm. Yet, when I'm thinking about my own behaviour or talking to people who also are like, oh, I don't know, they're not talking about the virus. They're not talking about COVID. They're talking about how they feel that they aren't kind of energetically ready or, mm-hmm. you know, capable of of being in a in a space that has you know heightened social activity or like is overstimulating. Mm-hmm. Is is that kind of the same thing? Like, have we packaged all of those things into the electric fence? I'm going to imagine that we have. It, it, so, so you're right. I think we've been the social maybe isolation or the distance that we've had to experience has maybe brought some people, and I hear this a lot, has changed people's way of being. And there's no way that change can't happen over a period of a couple of years and something is going on. So people that might have been a lot more um, extrovert or out there or wanting to go out all the time, they have found a different pace of life over the last couple of years. And maybe socializing is quite difficult or maybe they've found parts themselves over the past couple of years that they realize maybe the groups of friends they've been hanging out with, they don't necessarily have that much in common or there can be a, a whole range of things, but it's going in there. What I found really interesting is a lot of people, I was standing in, I actually went to a gig last night. So I was standing at a, at a gig <clears throat> indoors, small venue, quite, it was, it was quite an interesting experience, right? First time I've been to an indoor gig gig. And I was standing there for a moment. I was wondering, gosh, I wonder how many people in this room are considering, you know, being in groups of people for the first time indoors at a gig and how do they feel about it? Are they thinking about, I'm vaccinated and you're vaccinated and we're all okay? Or are they thinking, I don't know how to make small talk anymore? Or I don't know how comfortable I feel standing in a physical space so close to other people, so physically, you know, close. And it, I just thought it was a fleeting moment. But I, I, I imagine everybody's going to have to experience that, where they have to really sit and think about what, what they bring to situations, what they bring to their social networks, whether they want to, whether they want to go out. A lot of people don't even want to go out. But there, there's, a, there's a sense or an expectation that they have to go out. Mm. And I wonder if that's one of the things, like what you're saying, is that people might not be thinking about the pandemic or a virus, but they're wondering, do I have the energy anymore to write? Do I like going to bed at actually 11 o'clock? And I don't know if I have the physical energy or the emotional energy to go out and deal with a whole load of things. Yeah. And also people are like over a year and a half older as well. 
like so time has passed it's like bedtime gets that little bit earlier (laughs) what do we know or what are you hearing about the kind of effects of um whatever i'm sure we'll have a term in years to come but Mm -hmm. like the the institutionalization quality to lockdown because what i worry about is how many of my feelings are real and authentic and are actually coming from my real desires and what I want Mm -hmm. and how many of them are coming from the cumulative impact of being more isolated and the kind of institutionalization qualities or aspect of lockdown. Because I, I don't, I I, like, obviously this time has had an impact on us Mm -hmm. and, you know, good, good, learnings are good but like the 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 way it might be nudging us in a in an unhelpful way also exists so are you hearing stuff about like or what do you think about we've kind of forgotten about that lockdown institutionalization but obviously the impact may still be there for people oh it it 100 is there I think I wonder maybe what we're talking about is kind of the, the is emotional capacity is the capacity to hold all these different experiences in a short period of time at the same time. So we've gone through, you know, like you said, these institutionalized, and it was it, do not leave your house or only go within two k or five k or whatever it is. This institutionalized feeling, but also. You know, you know, stopping doing things that you really like doing, or stopping seeing people, or stopping seeing family, and people going through really, really difficult times, isolated or on their own, or people dying, all of those things. I think it has to do with emotional capacity and, like the, you know, what you're saying there about wanting to to experience what it is that you want to experience in your life can sometimes have to, you know, we have to deal with expectations from society, expectations from ourselves, and then how do we how do we kind of hold those two things at the same time that you maybe you do want to go out, but maybe you don't want to go out. Maybe you do want to socialize, maybe you don't socialize all at the same time. And how do you manage that on a moment to moment basis when you actually do go and do the thing? And I wonder if that's something that's maybe becoming more and more clear. It's a really good thing what you said there. I think there is probably going to be a word to describe all of this. The Germans are really good at coming up with one word to describe an entire emotion or something. So let's look to them. Pandemschmerzen. <laughs> let's just call it that for now. Um, there, is, there, there is guilt. Uh, what I'm hearing loads of is expectations from social groups where people don't know if they're able to meet them or not. And then they feel guilt and they withdraw from social groups. So people get quite isolated even now when we're coming, kind of getting more social. Um, but but and, and I guess maybe a lot of things that we talk about is, is how do you increase your emotional capacity? Like how do you start to learn how to hold all those feelings that are contradictory and kind of make no sense and come with a whole lot of emotions that maybe you don't really know why that why you might feel anxious now and you might not have never feel, might never felt it before in certain situations. And manage them how do you increase your emotional (laughs) capacity I mean I think one of the things is like a lot of people and myself included it's like 
this makes no sense at a time when I should be like going back into the world. I have this like compulsion to withdraw. I just keep picturing this like monk in a scriptorium and be like, that looks great. That's a great <laughs> image to have in my mind. So I'm like, what are you talking about? You need to, you need to, um, fucking go out like you know but yeah. but it's the and I I guess it's also coming at a time when you know the wheel of the year is turning and and things can go more inward anyway yeah so it's kind of colliding with that as well um around silent and stuff like that but yeah. yeah what what how do you increase your emotional capacity is it just like little by little yeah it's all I think it's always depending on where we are it's always little it's kind of incremental steps that you can take that are manageable and you can do as frequently as possible. So sometimes it can be, say, for example, going to a gig, being able to say to yourself, so it's almost like making a decision rather than reacting to a decision. So if people are going out, really sit and ask yourself, do I want to go out? Do I know why I don't want to go out if I don't want to go out? And is there any way that you're, you have... Um, an ability to give yourself some leeway. So if I go out and I really feel uncomfortable, can I allow myself to go home? Can I allow myself to request that we go somewhere that it's more outdoors or can, can I allow myself to just go, I don't have a lot to say or I feel quite quiet tonight. So, but you, everybody needs to find their own language. Everybody needs to, you know, everybody will, you know, I could say that to you or, but somebody else might come in and go, I never talk to my mates like that or I never mm. talk to my partner like that. So how on earth am I ever going to say that? I'm like, well, maybe that's the first step on the emotional capacity piece. Maybe that's something that you really need to be able to say. Like, what does it feel like not to be able to say what you need in a group of friends or in a relationship or whatever it might be to mind yourself and allow yourself. Listen, I, I'm, I'm here for smaller gigs or I can't really do long days or I can't really do that because I just, I'm so, I just want to go home. I want to be at home. And then sometimes we have to listen to that. What's wrong with wanting to be a monk for a little bit longer. It's kind of nice. Sometimes. <laughs> a good at calligraphy. <laughs> Illuminations. <Those> guys. <laughs> um, this is really helpful, um, Sarah. Thanks, Emil. Um, and I was wondering, like, if somebody is anxious about going out, um, you're talking there about how to kind of cope with, with social pressure and peer pressure. And I think that's really really useful and maybe like groups of pals can have a little like overwhelm safe word or something someone yeah. just drops like I'm done yeah and 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 everyone gets that you know that there's no negotiation I suppose around um oh no we'll just stay blah blah it's just like how do you how do you actually uh I don't know assert or own what you want yeah. to do that you're you're comfortable with um so yeah, maybe little code, code words for mates are good for that. But if somebody, if you, if you, it can also be kind of disappointing for yourself if you feel like you don't want to re-engage. But if somebody is anxious um, and not, you know, just COVID anxious, just like experiencing kind of experiencing anxiety around going back into the world, mm-hmm. how can they alleviate that? Because it's a, it's kind of a different kind of, anxiety it's like there's drops of agoraphobia drops of overwhelm drops of general social anxiety mm-hmm. drops of being withdrawn or newly introverted it's 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 a strange little cocktail it is it is and it's very it, 
Sorry, just uh, um, missed you there for a sec. What were you saying? Oh, I just said it, it, it can be, and it's very debilitating and uncomfortable. That feeling. important about recognizing that in those moments when we feel anxious there's something that we're not necessarily recognizing about how we feel <clears throat> and oftentimes and i do this all the time with people it's like creating a little checklist you know what is it that you might need or is there is there social pressure do you imagine that you should be doing something do you imagine what your day or what your night or what your your current existence looks like should look any different and who is telling you that? And if it's an internalized thing, then maybe we need to get a little bit more gentle around what our expectations are of ourselves within the capacity that we have. Because we can have many things going on in our head, but we really have to manage whether that's possible with the tools that we have available to us right now. And it doesn't mean that that can't change. But if you're talking about day-to-day -day situational stuff, going out, being like, oh my God, I can't do with crowds. I don't really want to see those people anymore. They make me, I feel really uncomfortable around them. A lot of that has to do with compassion towards yourself and just being able to say, I feel a little bit edged out by these people. I don't really know why. It's not a bad thing, but I'm going to take my time. Mm. I'm going to reintroduce myself slowly. I don't have to perform. if Because I, I think as well in the loads of our, our, we've developed new ways of being with ourselves over the past two years. So it's going to be kind of awkward if you used to be a certain way with people and then you go back out into the world and now we're kind of slightly different. That can be really tricky. It can be really hard because people don't necessarily like change. They don't like other people changing sometimes. So it's a bit, it can be difficult for, for you to go, actually, I'm a little bit quieter or actually I'm way more extrovert than I used to be or any of those things. So we have to pace ourselves. And um, oh yeah, go on. And I think doing a little checklist before you go out or a little checklist of what are the things that I imagine I might be a bit anxious about. Maybe you don't know the exact answer, but you might get close to it. Mm. By getting closer to it, you get a little bit of freedom because now you're kind of joining the dots on the inside. You have a little bit of choice then. And finally, around people's like another thing that people haven't experienced um, as much, I think, during the pandemic is everything that goes with socializing. So like when people go out, they may be drinking more, they may be taking drugs for the first time in ages um, or in company. They may be like going, having a bit of a Friday at a festival feeling and, you know, they may not know what their boundaries are anymore. Their level of control has kind of just like gone up in smoke the minute they walk into a place and see their friends. What would your advice be around that um, because I feel like it's something that people need to kind of hold quite steadily. Oh yeah. Uh, I think that's probably what we're, what, what I hear most of at the moment is uh, just people going a little bit wild for a moment and how that's impacting. It's, it's, I think uh, People are going to do it. There's, there's not there's not a lot of um, advice. If, if, if It's like a tightly wound spring, right? If you're going to go out and do it, you're going to go out and do it. But it's, again, can you manage, if you're going to go out and do a whole load of drugs or you're going to drink loads, are you around safe people? All the usual things. But again, it's kind of going back, you know, a little bit before you go out. Do you know what it is that you want to, want to experience of your night? Or do you know what you want to do? 
And if you know that you're going to be doing a whole lot of things because you're excited to your mates or that's what you're going to do, can you do it safely? Do you know that if you haven't done that in months and months and months, do you know how to mind yourself? And if you don't or the people around you that can't, like we, I do loads of work with universities and stuff and just there's a huge expectation that when you go out, you're going to go out in a mad one at the moment. Mm-hmm. And that's, it's hard because there are people that get lost in that that aren't emotionally capable to be able to say, no, I can't do that or that's too much. And that's a really hard, steep learning curve for some people and dangerous. But that's, you know what I mean? You hope that they have enough good pals around them that they're going to be minded. Um, but it's just managing, again, I think expectations of what you imagine you're supposed to be doing versus what you can do. And still, is are you having fun? It's always about, are you going to have fun? Or have you just gone that little bit kind of beyond the fun space and now you've gone into not so fun. Not so fun. What would be your top tip then for people over winter before you go to take care of themselves? uh, I'm going to say probably don't overthink things. Uh, Make as much time as you can to just check with yourself how you feel. You might not know what to do with them, but that's okay. Just start there. And if you can garner a little bit of crack or joy out of doing something half of what you used to do, do it. And you can work your way up. Nice one, Sarah. That's Sarah Gilligan of Cape Minds and Cable Street. Um, Always a pleasure. You too. Lovely conversation. Getting in the sea this week, speaking of development and planning and all that, before we were talking to Gilligan there, who was very helpful. Um, co-living development planning permissions are still going in progress, in train. Despite the fact that they were banned, apparently, quote unquote, by uh, the minister, Darrow O'Brien, if they had already been in the system or whatever, they're still allowed to progress. And another one is going, um, is has been put in for another one in Dublin One, co-living development, North Frederick Street. So that can get in the sea. Either you ban the development or you don't. And I understand there's probably like, oh, there's like legal issues around if something was like, fuck, like co-living is terrible. We don't need that development in the city. Nobody wants it. The only people who want it are developers. And so whatever legal jiggery pokery you have to do to make that not happen, just do it. Shit can be done overnight if you're serious about it. That's getting in the sea. Now it's time for, this is all Andre's domain, but I'm, I'm filling in, of course. It's bananas. It is very obvious to me reading the detail in the rules for clubs and gigs that there is some bananarama action happening. No crowd surfing. I don't like how is that different from like jumping around in a, at a gig or like dancing close to some I mean it just feels these these ridiculous kind of hair splitting things that they're doing are, are nonsense. Or how is it any different from like tackling someone in a rugby game? Anyway, put your um, grunge and new metal and classic rock tendencies on hold. You cannot crowd surf by law. 
by regulation. Um, also, the rule that they have about social distancing at the bar in a club that a club employee has to oversee. Um, if you have to be one meter away from somebody else queuing for a drink at a bar, <clears throat> obviously that's not possible in places that are quite small or that are quite busy as they're allowed to be now, uh, that the capacity levels were, were ironed out. So I don't know how that's going to happen. And I do think it is just a bit of a melt for people working in bars and clubs and venues that apart from all of the other shit they have to think about, about doing their job and, you know, going from a lot of cases from zero to a hundred and the stress of that and people shouting at you and talking to you and asking blah, all that kind of stuff to now have to police all this other stuff because these rules are being made that, you know, you can dance with no social distancing, but if you're queuing for a drink, that's the moment that you have to socially distance. I mean, I don't, I'm not shitting on, you know, safety. I just think that things have to be logical. So that's bananas. That is bananas. Okay, now it's time for our fave, well, my fave bits. Fave bits this week. I was in the Civic in Tala last night for the first preview of Emma Kerwin's new play. Um, It is called Straight to Video. It is the absolute crack. Emmett, I just feel like he can kind of write dialogue like no other. And there's loads of juice in this. And I'm not going to say that much more because obviously it hasn't opened yet, but you can go see it at the Civic um, in Tala until November 6th. And then is that it is at Project Art Centre in Temple Bar, November 9th to December 11th. So if you're, which is a good, good month run. So if you are visiting Dublin or around Dublin or looking for like a good night out and a great, uh, a really fun play, um, check this out. I also went to a preview screening of Love Yourself Today, the new documentary on Damien Dempsey. Um, it is gorgeous. Uh, Damo was there doing a Q&A with the director and um, sang the L Triangle. And it was amazing. <laughs> but uh, it's a really beautiful, um, beautiful film. And Damo's just the man. Like, I just love him. He, um, his, how economic he is with words and how distilled his point of view is how and like how simple his instruction to humanity is but of course only something like deeply thought out and very very complex can be articulated in that way and I always feel that he does that and and, and gives people you know channels people uh the intensity that people feel in the room like he managed to like channel that and 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 reflect it back out. So when that uh, doc opens, it's early next week, I think, early November, uh, go see that. Love yourself today. And another thing I've been watching, which everybody else has watched already, but I'm just going to say it anyway, is the Turning Point uh, 9-11 documentary on Netflix. And I think the reason that I enjoyed it, apart from it, you know, gives a context for the bullshit um, and murder uh, and oppression and invasions that Afghanistan has had to deal with 
um, and the Afghan people have had to deal with is it's so amazing to watch some of these like neocons resurface and their lack of self-awareness around the devastation that they caused. And there's like, I can't remember, I think he's like the senior counsel to the White House. I can't remember uh, what his name is or whatever, but he's kind of one of the talking heads throughout. And he's just like constantly talking about, yeah, so then we did this. And oh, well, we couldn't have known that there weren't WMDs and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, oh my God, you are a maniac. And have not having the self awareness to to actually realize, like he thinks what what hap- what happened in the quote unquote war and terror was like you know great and necessary and is like literally excusing torture and all this shit. But it's amazing to have those voices in the dock because it really allows you to see the callous, um, murderous stupidity of neoconservatism and the illegal wars and the policies that were pursued that basically caused the deaths of hundreds of thousands of civilians on the basis of um, impulsive, regressive, oil-grabbing illegal invasions um, that shaped the world in a really dark way. And and having the people who were there making those decisions and now just being like, yeah, well, you know, blah, blah. It's like, oh my God. (laughs) Wow. You know, uh, self-awareness vacuum. But um, it's a good uh, series if you haven't watched it already. Uh, Now it's time for... Book of the week. 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 Book of the week this week is a friend of the pod. Uh, you can listen to his byline episode on Brexit and English nationalism, Fintan O'Toole's new book, which is We Don't Know Ourselves, A Personal History of Ireland Since 1958. This is a big book. Um, I'm holding it right now. It is hefty. It's about 600 pages and it's a, like a blend of memoir and Irish history and observations and analysis thereof. Um, I've just started it. I've just met, like, I've I've bitten off a little chunk chunk of it, and it's already just fascinating. And Finton has that way of like tying in the kind of the energy and atmosphere of the time and what that meant to growing up in a place, or what that did to people's behaviors and feelings, and what the social context is, and also the absurdity and surrealism of our Ireland in terms of the oppression. Um, and the corruption and all of that kind of stuff. So he, there's also like loads of stories that you hear that are like, what? Like how the president of Pan Am recommended all these like crazy ideas to Sean Lamas to like entice more tourists. And then they ended up actually happening, <laughs> including the roads of Tralee and Bunratty Park and uh, loads of stuff like that. So it's like, whoa, what? So yeah, it's super, super juicy. I highly recommend it. Buy it in an independent bookshop, please. Um, and it's a heavy, heavy, big one. Um, I bought it, bought it in books upstairs uh, for thirty-two quid. Worth it. It's giant. Um, one to one to savor over winter. Um, okay, so that's the book of the week. Um, and thank you for sticking with us. Uh, we know we weren't here last week because we were doing our we were doing our live event in the National Concert Hall for the Utopia series, which was just brilliant. Thank you to everyone who came to that. And we're going to have that recording soon. And we're going to put it up as a little bonus. So this podcast is produced by Andrew Mangan of Castaway Media. Crystal Clear gave us his tuna chicken roll for our soundtrack. And Sarah Fox did all of our design. Uh, it would be remiss of us not to um, have a little bop at the end of this. 
and with regards to the podcast sentiment of being ready for the floor, uh, it has to be that, right? <laughs> okay, I've been Una Mullally. This has been United Ireland and that was ready for the floor, question mark. Do it, 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 do it now. Say it, say it, say it, say it, say it, say it, say it now.